Sorry for being late, guys. Uh, that sucks, but it's okay. Y'all, y'all, he's getting you warmed up. We're about to have fun with this lesson. Like everybody already know the passage, so just to make sure uh, we read the title and everything. So today's title, today's lesson is Jesus reinstates Peter, and the key verse is John twenty-one fifteen. It says, "When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" He said to him, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. All right, so I'm going to read verses 15 through 19, and then uh, we're going to break each verse down. And, yeah, we're about to have some fun, all right? So John 21, 15 through 19 reads from the uh, New Revised Standard Version. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. 
A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you, were young, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. And just, to, just, just in case I don't get there, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, it's crazy how how when we fail, um, first of all, I'm going to focus on failure for this lesson, and I'm going to focus on the mistakes that we made, and, and I'm going to focus on labels, right? The labels that people give you and stuff like that. But before I go there, with verses 18 through 19, you got to understand stuff from Peter's perspective. Like, he denied him three times, and we y'all were talking, and you guys know it wasn't co no coincidence that you know, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And then he even said, feed my sheep. He didn't, <laughs> I only imagine how Peter felt. Like there's another, Peter had another encounter with Jesus prior to this. And it's not mentioned in the Bible, but it's understood that Jesus met with Peter privately to restore him and gave Peter an opportunity to repent. And now he's doing it publicly in front of people. So he's giving Peter an opportunity to profess his faith in front of people publicly, which is what he failed to do the first time around when Jesus was arrested and he denied him three times in front of people and even cursed his name. So this was a boost of confidence for Peter. Like, and then Jesus eased his way into it. He let, Jesus, he let Peter do it in a way that uh, he was kind of babying him a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he eased his way and, and met Peter where he was. You just said that. He met Peter where he was and at the state of time where he was at mentally and everything. And he didn't put too much on Peter. He let him profess his faith in front of friends, other disciples, who also failed, failed Jesus and wasn't with him when, you know, Jesus needed him the most. I mean, when Jesus needed them the most, right? They all failed Jesus countless times, not just once. And what's crazy is, I was just thinking about it. Who was Jesus' best friends in the world? Like, who were the people that were closest to him? Disciples, right? And then, but who was the closest out of the disciples? You know, Peter, James, and John. So the sons of Zephyrdy, and then Peter, right? And so, these are Jesus' best friends, and they fail him constantly. Like, that sucks. Like, you know, to have friends that you can't count on, but these are the closest people to you, so... Yeah, what kind of friend are you the guy, right? And so it's a learning process. You know, you don't just arrive and just be the rock of the church, right? This is a growing process. And so, uh, yeah, just imagine how Peter felt when you see verses 18 to 19. It's, it, verse 19 literally says that verse 18 is just talking about the way that Peter would die, right? And so let me go to my notes because this part is so powerful. Like, um, yeah, so this, this was probably a hopeful thing for Peter. Like, it's awful 
to hear how you're going to die. You're going to die in a horrific way, yeah, sure. But you got to understand, Peter probably thought, I'm not going to fail Jesus again. Like, that's all he heard, probably. Like, I'm going to die in a way that glorifies God, like, and I won't deny him a fourth time, you know, a sixth time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's probably filled uh, Peter with so much hope. Like, you know, so this is going to be a, this, this, this is going to come, uh, it's going to be a future moment, a future opportunity, a future time where Peter will have an opportunity to say that he is, a, he is a one of Jesus' followers, right? And so that's going to feel, man, just, just imagine hearing that. <laughs> you know, so a boost of confidence, like Peter's going to glorify God. And that's what life's all about, glorifying God, right? So, all right, so, um, yeah, and one question I was going to ask you guys just with that is, you know, what are you doing now to ensure your eventual death will glorify God? Because that's what it's all about, glorifying God, right? So, yeah, man. All right, so let's go ahead and get to it. All right, I just want to say that. I know I wasn't going to go there. I wouldn't have enough time. It's too much stuff with this text, and you guys are just tearing it up. So let's go ahead and get to it. So if I had to title my lesson, for this lesson today, I would title it uh, Christian Bust. So Christian Bust. You ever heard of the term NBA Bust or NFL Bust? Do y'all know what that is? Like certain people are drafted to the league into the NBA or NFL and like they have high expectations for these players. Like they, like, they say that these players are going to revolutionize the game, right? And some of those players are uh, – Kwame Brown was one. Kwame Brown is a huge one that everybody talks about in the NBA. He played center in the NBA. He was like 7'1", seven, 7'0". Seven and he, he got drafted out of high school into the NBA. And everybody was talking about this guy like, yeah, man, he's about to be the dude, man. And, like, he ended up not being the dude. Like, <laughs> like being an NBA – it's called an NBA bust. Like a huge disappointment, a failure, all right? And so anytime when people think about Kwame Brown – Greg Oden, because of his injuries, he could never stay healthy. And this guy was a freak in college and high school. Greg Oden, he played for Ohio State. And, like, they were talking about him like he was going to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain. And he couldn't stay on the court. In his first – I only think he played in the league three years. Like, he, could, he just couldn't stay healthy. There's so many people. Adam Morrison. Michael Jordan drafted Adam Morrison when he first got to the Charlotte Hornets because he said he liked his heart. It turned out he had no heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so these guys are known as the biggest NBA disappointments of all time, right? Same thing in uh, – but then you got basketball royalty, obviously. I can name some names in basketball, and everybody would know their names. Kobe Bryant, my favorite basketball player of all time. Michael Jordan, uh, Steph Curry. You guys know all those names, right? Basketball royalty. So we know them why? Because of their successes. And then also we know some basketball players because of their failure. Like you guys can probably name some athletes that had like drug addiction or like they just, like Patman Jones is a good example too, but he wasn't really a bust. But like, yes, you guys are Titans fans. You, we're in Nashville, Tennessee, Patman Jones. Patman Jones, let's be real. He could have been the greatest football player of all time, hands down, right? This dude could do anything. But then he got in trouble. I forgot how he got in trouble, but it doesn't matter. Like. Because of the trouble he got in, it ruined everything. And so nobody even knew he was back in the NFL play for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that great. Michael Vick, too. Michael Vick. He was like, <laughs> don't even get me started on Michael Vick. All right, but that's the whole point. Like, what labels are you wearing? 
right? What, what, what things do you identify yourself as? Because so many people in this life, they wearing, they're wearing the wrong labels. And as a matter of fact, I don't care if you define yourself by the good labels you have, the good successes, the good things about you, good traits, or you define yourself by the bad things that people say about you, believe about you, etc. You can't let labels limit you, <laughs> and you can't let labels define you, because only one person and one thing can define you, and that's God, and what his word says about you. You're redeemed, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're chosen, you're a royal priesthood. That's what you are. You ain't black, you ain't gay, you're not, you're not uh, angry, like, you know, like, those are all worldly things. You're not Republican and Democrat, right? We let so much stuff define us and limit us to who we are. And that's not what life's about. And there's so many stories in the Bible. We're on one right now. Judas and Peter are the perfect example. But I'm going to wait to go there. Like, let's go Old Testament. Like, so many people are labeled, and we label so many Christians in the Bible like crazy, like with Moses. We define Moses by that one time he murdered somebody. So he's a murderer. Like, and he actually defined himself as that, too, and labeled himself as that. And he almost let that limit him, right, from his dream and his passion of helping out the Israelites. That was his dream and passion. But then he took it upon himself to do it his way, with his own self-sufficiency and what he thought was right, just like Peter did a lot of times. And when you do that, you lead yourself to failure because you got to really... Listen to the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Really be willing to humble yourself and do what the Spirit wants you to do instead of what you want to do. You don't do things to be seen. You don't do the things that you want to do. You do the things that God called you to do, right? Because that's what glorifies him the most, like we started off the lesson talking about. So Noah, people label him a drunk. I only see one time in the Bible where he got drunk, maybe two. But, like, you know, uh, Rahab and Mary Magdalene, like, Mary Magdalene, that's in the past. Where do you see her? Seen as a prostitute in the Bible, but we identify her as that, right? Rahab, there's other prostitutes too, right? And then Doubt and Thomas. Everybody, that's what he's known as. Nobody knows anything else about Thomas except he was a doubter. But he had opportunities where he wasn't doubting. And he was the only one that believed. I think, I think that was him. Like, yeah, so, and, but we don't ever talk about that. David, we mentioned Bathsheba a lot, but we can get past Bathsheba a little bit with David. You know what I'm saying? But uh, God doesn't define us by our uh, failures or our successes, our looks. Everybody, oh, so many people. Looks is big in this world, man. Uh, our skill, our fame, that stuff don't matter to him at all. So don't let others define you by that, and don't define yourself as that as well. Uh, so stop letting others put you in a box and label you by only your mistakes and, and not your successes, or even by your successes because you're so much more than that. Right. So, uh, yeah. And, and I just want to start off saying, too, we know first Samuel 16, 7 It's a real popular verse. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things the way people look at them. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So a question I got for you guys is how would you like how would you like it if everybody took the worst thing you ever did and decided that was who you were? I'm going to use an analogy. This one, this one's, this one's going to hit home. A prison chaplain had an inmate who once confronted him with, his, with this complaint. He said, I've committed one robbery in 27 years. Now everybody thinks I'm a robber. Everybody thinks I'm a criminal. 
Is that fair? That's life, man. We, we let one bad season determine the rest of our lives. And so many people are in that state right now. And what's crazy is, you know, Jesus, Peter failed uh, Jesus three times, right? He denied him three times. That, that one event, we always mention that. Did Peter fail any more after that? After, even after this, did he fail even more? <laughs> did he fail again? Yeah, he failed multiple times. Peter was probably racist. He didn't like the Gentiles. He didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. When people were talking about going to, when Paul was talking about going, they had an argument. When Paul was talking about going to the Gentiles, we need to reach the whole world, like Jesus said, go out to the whole nations, right? The Great Commission. <laughs> Peter missed that. Peter was like, no, it's just for the Jews. Like, he came for the Jews. Like, he was a, <laughs> was a full-fledged, like, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, he didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. But he eventually got there, right? But he wasn't there, right? So, like, yeah, and that was just one example. I'll probably find some more if I go through my notes, but I just want to talk to you guys. Like, so, yeah, so Peter, any, yeah, Peter failed. He's going, he's going to keep on failing. Why? Because he's a sinner. And why do we fail? So that we can get back up, so that we can learn. The righteous fall seven times, but they get back up eight. It's about learning and growing and becoming more like Christ. Ain't nobody arrived in this life. Ain't nobody perfect. And so many Christians think just because you made one bad choice in life. I'm going to use an example. A pastor cheats on his wife. Oh, yeah, man, that dude, he ain't saved. He was never saved. No child of God would ever do such a thing. Uh, a, a pastor stealing money from a church. I mean, that's going far. But you guys get what I'm saying. Like, people make mistakes. Why? Because of selfish ambitions, right? Oh, man. Let, right, let's keep on going, man. People are going to label you, and it's how you overcome those labels. That's what matters the most. And if you go around wearing negative labels, downing, downing yourself, you will miss out on your purpose. Judas did that. That's what I was talking about with Judas and Peter. What's, they're like the perfect parallels like, of polar opposites of what not to do. Like, both failed Jesus. And some people think, like, some sins are just not redeemable. Some sins, like, you're just too far from God. Like, if you do that sin, like, you can never be redeemed. Like, you do this one sin, God won't love you. What? Really? The Bible says, uh, what does it say in Romans 8 at the very end? It says, uh, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right? Not angels, not principalities, not sin. Nothing can separate us. All you got to do is go back to him. You can be redeemed. You can be forgiven. You can be made whole. You can be made right again. You don't have to stay in the past. You don't have to live in your mistake and your sins. You don't have to stay there and wallow there. All you got to do is go to him. The difference between Peter and Judas is just keep on living. Like, give the Lord a chance. He'll come to you. You know what I mean? Jesus went to Peter. Peter didn't go to Jesus. <laughs> Matter of fact, somebody told Peter, oh, man, that's what gets me. Oh, like, Peter, man, you don't understand, guys. I, I'm a Peter, so I understand. Like, Peter's at, somebody, went, they went to the tomb, right? The women went to the tomb. Angel talked to them, and the angel said, you know, Jesus has risen. Get the disciples, but, but tell Peter. He put emphasis on Peter, right? <laughs> Obviously, when they went to Peter, like, they said, 
They said go to the disciples, but go to you. Like, Peter's the rock. He didn't see himself as a rock no more. See, I'm a Peter, man. Like, everybody is to an extent, right? And this is how you are. You think you're self-sufficient. You think you can do anything. You can accomplish anything. Like, I'm going to ask everybody a question. Will you deny Christ if they came around persecuting Christians? Yeah, so many people are like, yeah, no, I won't deny him. I'll die for him. Any way you won't kill me, do it. Like, you can stab me. You can shoot me. All right, let's, let's switch the script. The script. They cut off your penis. You want to deny them then? Like, <laughs> if they make you eat, I heard of one, uh, I read this book called Torture for Christ. And Russia is awful, guys. Like, they hate Americans. I've been, I've been close to Russia. I've been in Turkey. And I was in this place called Kmar. Long story short, like, you should have seen the way the Russians looked at me. They looked at me worse than, like, a racist white cop would look at me. Like, you know what I mean? So, like... Uh, in Russia, they were persecuted Christians like in 1960s and 1920s, right? And so in this book, it was a whole collection of all the persecution that Christians had to go through. And one of the Christians, make long story short, they, had, they would mock all the stuff that Christians do just to have them deny Christ and they'll let them go. But none of them did it. So they, one of the things that they did to torture them was they would have them do communion. And for the, the blood would be their pee. And then the doo-doo would be the bread. And so that's how they were mocking Christ and trying to get them to deny Christ. That's just one example. Then they would put, this is probably too much information. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just real transparent. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, they put acid in women's, you know, private part. They did a lot of stuff to Christians. So are you willing to go through that for Christ? Because you saw how Peter died. It's not mentioned in the Bible, but it's understood by theologians that he was crucified upside down. He was girded on a cross. And the only, only reason why he was persecuted upside down is because he said, I don't want to be crucified like my Savior because I don't deserve to be, I don't deserve to be crucified like him. And that's the craziest thing, right? Because the most heinous act in the world, the most horrific way to die became the most glorious way to die when you're doing it for Christ. And same thing for Christ. The most horrific death ever became our victory. Like, became our uh, mantra. Became everything for us. Like, that's how I was going to start off the lesson. Man, I'm all over the place, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I was going to ask everybody, how does Christ's resurrection shape our relationships? And can an encounter with the resurrected Christ restore a relationship that seems lost? Another question I was going to ask was, you know, does connection with Christ reconnect us with each other? Is a hurt too deep for the depth of Christ's love? There's a lot of questions, I know. I just want everybody thinking, get your juices flowing. Is a relationship that suffers betrayal and denial doomed forever with Christ, with God? <laughs> In this lesson... We follow a conversation between Jesus and Peter where Jesus offers, offers Peter's forgiveness and complete restoration that catapults Peter to full-on ministry for Christ. A full-on Christ mission, right? So one of my points is Christ's resurrection has a far-reaching implications for our everyday lives as believers and followers of Christ. Like, because Christ, because Christ rose from the dead, you can rise above anything because of the power because of what he did on Calvary 
it sets the mark and the benchmark for everything in our lives. You guys know, you guys heard those sayings before. So, uh, yeah, like, I'm trying to see where I want to go, but basically, you guys know what I'm trying to say. Everything in the world is redeemable because of, of, uh, because of your rising, because of Jesus' rising from the dead, right? So, man, how much more time I got? Ten. Okay. All right. Let's let's bring this home then. So, yeah, you guys get it. Like I told you guys, we gotta take off the negative label. Stop seeing ourselves as washed up, you know, broken, all those things, and start seeing yourself as forgiven, redeemed, and as the child of a Most High God. What defines you is what God thinks about you and how He feels about you, not how you feel. Like you're gonna fail, you're gonna make mistakes, but you can't allow failure to dictate your future. Because there's no story, there's no life, there's no brokenness that's too far for Jesus to go down and intervene, intersect, redeem, and restore. And so many people think that failure, failure disqualifies us, but you are more than the mistakes that you made. Our failures don't cancel out God's plans. God has already taken into account every mistake we would ever make. And God doesn't judge one mistake or, or he doesn't, he doesn't uh, judge us by two mistakes. And for some of us, 10,000 mistakes. Right? <laughs> God's calling on your life is irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind. And that's so powerful. And like, you guys already were talking about the lesson, so I'm not even going to go there. You guys know. I just want to bring everything home with the short time we got. But Dad had me reading uh, 1 Corinthians 13. He was showing me like this, uh, it's basically like a sermon pamphlet to help me with my, to help me to be more simple and stop being so complex and all over the place trying to preach. 10,000 sermons in one message. So he, he said, this is how simple you need to be. Like, bring, he says I'm like Cyclops. Like, <laughs> like Cyclops, you know, he has to wear goggles to pinpoint where he wants his laser to go. But if he don't have goggles, I'm talking about X-Men, if you don't know. Well, on X-Men, there's a guy who has laser shooting out his eyes. So if he doesn't wear goggles, it's over with. Like, if he opens his eyes, lasers just shoot out everywhere. And he's, that's why my dad said I preach and talk. Like, I just be all over the place giving everybody too much. I need to bring, bring it home, so stay, stay on one point. So like with 1 Corinthians 13, I'm bringing this, so this is definitely being like Cyclops without goggles, but I don't care. All right, so you guys know 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. There's so many other verses, like Proverbs 10, 12 said, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs, covers a multitude of sins. God is love, right? He covers the sins, the wrongs, the mistakes. You're going to make them. I remember one Christian said to me online, like people, they're called trolls, the people that say stupid stuff on your comment section of the stuff that you be tweeting or whatever. So one person said, Christians don't make, they don't make mistakes. Like when you're saved, you never fail. <laughs> All right, yeah, but you guys get what I'm saying. I'll, I'll come back to love covers a multitude of sins. Like, uh, but it's impossible to love like Jesus loved. That's basically what I'm saying too. And even, you know, unbelievers can love people too. You know, we can love people without loving God because unbelievers love people, right? But uh, we cannot love God and not love other people. So many Christians like to decide who they want to love on. 
who deserves their love? Like, who, who is righteous and holy and pleasing to me? What is you? <laughs> oh, I just did videos on that. Like, uh, we, we were in a series. We are still doing it, talking about forgive them, right, on my uh, social media pages. And um, basically, the most judgmental, narrow-minded, bigoted, hate, hate the, most, the people filled with the most hatred towards other people. Like, they're the least forgiving, and they're the most condemning. <laughs> like, those people don't have any love for God, no matter what, how you slice it. Because if you really had the love of God in you, you would know you make mistakes too. You ain't perfect either. You can't talk about anybody. Somebody that's in prison, you worse than them. <laughs> you just ain't been caught yet and arrested. You got lucky. So love can overlook the faults of others. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world. Even God, God sent his son not to condemn the world, right? But that the world through him might be saved, right? Jesus loves us in spite of some of our unlovely ways, our uncomely ways, right? So Christian love never ceases hope. Jesus does not give up hope for you or for me. Christian love believes that no man is hopeless, a hopeless case, and no situation is without hope if we remember God and the power of his love. So we got to stop giving up, giving up on people so quickly. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? <laughs> you need patience in the Christian life. You got to be, love never fails. It always perseveres, right? We got to stop, <laughs> stop giving up so easily. Stop being impatient with people. Stop being so quick to quit on people, right? Because it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what they do to you. Like, you're called to love at all times, right? Even love your enemies, right? Do good to those who persecute you, right? So it doesn't matter if you like someone or not. You're called to love them. And so this text is so powerful, like, Jesus had no reason, really, to go to Peter at all, give him another chance, or the disciples. But who did he want to use? Them. And this is a picture of us. We're going to make mistakes. Like, some people think, oh, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get to it. Like, let's get to the lesson. Like, some people think because you made a mistake, you can't serve God anymore. Like, you had, God has no more use for you because you made this mistake. So you, you can't talk about him no more. What did Jesus do with Peter? He told him, feed my sheep. Three times. He was trying to hone in on a point. Like, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you can't serve me. Like, people still need to be tend to. People still need to be loved. Love, this life is so much bigger than how you feel and what you want. Christian life is, is not about your selfish ambitions, and it's not self-seeking like 1 Corinthians 13 says, right? Philippians 2 Verse 3 through 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. This is what Peter had to do. Like, it's not about, you know, what I think ministry is. That's what he used to do. That was his old man. <laughs> when Peter, when Peter uh, wanted to impress Jesus or just do something that he thought was pleasing to Jesus, like what he wanted. His, what, he did it with his self-sufficiency. I'm going to lay you some examples. You can throw some stuff out too if you want but one example is uh, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the army came, the high priest came, everybody came. It was like 700 people probably. And Peter was like, they're not taking my Lord. He got the sword and cut the soldier's ear off. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? No, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> That's not the way. I told you they're going to come persecute me and I have to die. In John 14, I have to die so that I could be with you all the time, the Holy Spirit, right? So that you can be endowed with power and strength 
to overcome situations like this in the way I've called you to do it, right? And that was one example. Another example is when Peter was, uh, you guys get it. I don't know if I, I'm trying to think. Oh, when, he, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and Peter said, no, don't wash my feet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Peter never got, got the memorandum, never got it right, right? He failed, but he kept on coming back to Jesus, right? You guys get what I'm saying? So, yeah, like with self-sufficiency, man, like trying to do things in your own power and your own initiative. That's my whole point with the lesson. Like, we got to stop living like we can conquer the world and we can do things for Christ. Because you live like that, you're going to miss out on the mark of living the life that God wants for you. You're going to miss out on doing what Jesus really wants you to do and what he's really calling you to do. And that's what P Peter had to do. He had to humble himself. Like, it's not... I can't be doing what I think's right for Christ. I need to do what he's calling me to do. And what he's calling me to do? Feed my sheep. You're the rock. You're the foundation. Right? That is so powerful because I, I did videos. You guys haven't seen it yet, but uh, I, I do a lot of like verse-by-verse -verse Bible studies and stuff like that. And long story short, in Revelation 21 22, the foundations of the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, how, how it's going to be all, for all eternity, the foundations are all stones, and they have the disciples' names written on them, the 12 disciples. They're the foundations of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, right? Peter's one of those foundations. He's the rock, right? He's probably the last one holding the whole thing. See, when you do things for Christ, your name's remembered forever. God's going to reward you, and it's about storing up treasures in heaven. If the disciples' names are the foundations of the whole entire new Jerusalem, new heaven, new earth, what is your name going to be? You know, what's going, what, 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 how are we going to be praised? Well, we're not going to be praised, but how are we going to be acknowledged for our service here on this earth, right? So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. But, yeah, let me finish reading this verse. Philippians 2, verse 3 through 4. Do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So this life is about serving others. This life is about meeting the needs of others, like, this life, that's what people need. Sheep needs to be fed. And who can feed them? Like, who can, who can tend to their needs? All right? God can. Why? <laughs> and Dad even said that. We were talking last night. Like, how can you feed sheep if you ain't fed yourself? How can you feed and tend? It's a tent. That means to minister to. How can you minister to people if you ain't been ministered to? How can you tell people... It said in the other verses in the chapter, like 20 through 25, Jesus said, follow me. Like, because Peter went to his Peter, went back to his Peter way, so he failed again. Like, like, he had this moment with Jesus, right? This is a powerful moment, right? And then he turned around in verses 20 to 25 and said, you know, you talked about my death. What about John? <laughs> the disciple you love the most. And Jesus said, what is that to you? That has nothing to do with you. Follow me. Everybody needs to worry about themselves. Stop judging other people. Stop worrying about what they got going on. Stop worrying about what Jesus is doing through them. Stop worrying about, just stop. Focus on Jesus, right? Focus on what your race, because you only get it once, right? They say life on earth here is like a speck on infinity line that keeps on going. You're here for a speck of time, and that speck, and in, in that speck of time here on this earth is going to dictate all eternity. You got one life to live for Christ, but if you live it right, yeah. That one life's enough, right? And it's short, guys. It's so short, man. Some of you guys are almost 90. Like, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> 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 <laughs>
but like I was trying to say, uh, you know, Jesus could look at an unstable person like Peter and see him as a solid rock. So Christian love is always eager to believe the best. Christian love is not suspicious. It does not act with a detective mindset and a persecuted, like a persecuting attorney. How many Christians do that? Just because of one mistake somebody made or 10. Okay, what did Jesus say? It's, Peter was a smart aleck. Oh, there's another time he failed him. <laughs> Jesus was, uh, Peter just went to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive my brother? You know, seven, seven times is good. Seven times? <laughs> no, Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Peter was like, what? Like, I, I know he, he's going to do that math. Like, he's uneducated. So he's like, 70 times seven, that's a lot. Like, you know, when will you get to forgive somebody that many times? Unless they're your child, unless they're your husband or wife. And you have to show unconditional love because if you really love them, what does it do? It always, love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is, love is not self-seeking. Like, I'm right about everything. No, it's willing to serve. It's willing to bow down. It's willing to, well, that's a bad way of saying it. It's willing to bend over backwards and do something for somebody else. It's not self-seeking. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, we got to do better as Christians if we're trying to reach the masses. This is what Jesus did. And this is the only reason why we came to him. Right? Because he did these things for us. Freaking, I'm sorry. Jesus did this for us. God in the flesh came down from earth, from his throne, to deal with us little peons peons and peons. You guys know what I'm trying to say. Peons. You know what I mean? Like, it's like going to a, a, a pig slot or something. Like, why would you do that? Like, you're a king. Like, <laughs> it didn't have people tell you who you are. And they don't know. See, that's the life we live, guys. Like, people are trying to tell you who you are, uh, tell, you who, like, tell you who you need to be and all those things. They don't know. God knows. And we don't even know. It's about figuring out and, and living our lives daily, following the Spirit so we can get to the places that he wants us to be, right? So Christian love does not love at first sight. Some people think love is at first sight. Nah. Christian love is love after complete sight. <laughs> Five minutes. All right, cool. Yeah, so what does this text teach us? You know, John 21, 15 through 19. This text teaches us that Jesus is forgiving, he's merciful, he's loving, he's wise, etc. Jesus knows your heart, guys. He didn't have to ask Peter these questions. He knows your heart. And that's so crazy how much Peter has grown. Peter could have been boastful. Just like when he, when he denied Jesus. And Peter was like, I will never deny Like. <laughs> He didn't just say that. Jesus said, you're, you're going to deny him. Like, he didn't even say that. Peter, he just said he was going to die. And then Peter said, if you die, I die. Like, if they come for you, I'm going with, down with you. Like, he said, if anybody else falls away and turn away from you, I won't. And Peter, Jesus literally in this text is repeating everything Peter said. And this is how you, this is why I grieved him so much. He said, do you love me more than these? I heard y'all say that. Oh, my gosh. What, what are these? Do you, do you love me more than these? He's copying what Peter said. Peter said, I will never deny you. If all these others, if all these fall away from you and turn away from you, I'll die with you. All right? That was his, his words. So he got to eat them now. <laughs> and so now Jesus is saying the same thing. Do you love me more than these, like you said? Hmm. And Peter ain't boastful no more. This is how you know he's humble. This is how we all got to be. Because you're not humble, you're going to fall. Pride is the downfall of all men, right? Humility, God, God exalts the humble. He resists the proud. 
And Peter is being exalted here because he finally got to a place in his heart and his spirit where he knows his limitations. And now God can use him to, at an even greater capacity than he, what he was using him, right? Same thing for us. We got to make sure our spirits are right and we're completely and fully humble so that we can reach the places that God has in store for us, right? And now I'm going to end a lesson like this. Like one pastor said, like just one day, it's, it was just a theoretical thing. They said one day in heaven, basically, uh, Peter or one of the disciples is going to lead you to a closet, a room. And they're going to open a room. It's going to be all the blessings you could have had. If you would have believed more, you would have been more humble. If you just would have just kept on following Christ. How many blessings do you think that is? You know what I mean? You can have it all. It's, it, it's the feast is right in front of you. God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And you got to eat. But are you eating? Like, are you enjoying the meal? Are you humbling yourself so that you can get there? Are you spending time with God so that you can get to that point? You know, so, yeah, guys. You guys, you guys got anything you want to say? I've talked the whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys good? All right. I know we're over the time limit. Completely apart, so y'all, y'all can look at my feet when I get finished. If y'all want to, y'all already. What's that? Right, because when Avis came in, Lucky called. I'm stepping outside, stepping out to this, so we've done that. That's our little mind thinking that, but God can use anybody. So it says, trust in the Lord with all their heart, lean not on their own understanding, and always acknowledge Him. 
we shall direct your path. So we give it to him. He can he give ourselves to him. He can use us. Um, so now we'll have um, the report from the secretary.